Welcome to WP Tonic, episode 150. Today we've got a star-studded panel for this anniversary special, and today our main topic is the best starter themes and frameworks for WordPress development. Uh, before we get going with that, I'm going to let the panel introduce themselves. Carrie, who are you? Hi, I'm Carrie. I am a front-end developer, and I work at Web Dev Studios. Sweet. Kim. Hi, I'm Kim Schivler. I teach people how to build online courses and membership platforms. You can find me at howtobuildanonlinecourse.com. Excellent. Sally? My name is Sally Getch. Uh, my <coughs> uh, WordPress consultancy business is WP Fangirl, and I am the organizer of the East Bay WordPress meetup in Oakland, California. And... I'm Jonathan Denwood. I'm the founder of WP Tonic and the co-host of the WP Tonic podcast. And we're a maintenance service company that specializes only in WordPress. And we help business owners. We also help agencies or anybody looking for a trusted partner. And before we go into it, I just wanted to say a shout out to my great co-host, John Locke, who came on the show in 2016. And it just thank, I just want to personally thank you for helping me with the show, John. And uh, you've just been a tremendous co-host and and driving the um, podcast forward. I just want to personally say thank you. Oh, well, thank you, Jonathan. Uh, that's very nice. Um, and definitely, yes, I'm John Locke. Um, and my business is LockdownDesign.com. And I help blue-collar businesses with their WordPress sites, specifically with their local SEO or their WooCommerce integrations if they're launching an online store. Uh, before we get into today's main topic, you know, it's been a very slow couple of weeks for WordPress news. And then this week, all of a sudden, there is a ton of WordPress news. Uh, so we'll start. Matt Mullenweg uh, gave his state of the word at WordCamp US. And a couple of the things that he was talking about uh, were... They're pushing Calypso as the future of WordPress's interface system. He's telling people to, you know, continue to learn WordPress or uh, JavaScript, I should say, deeply. And, I feel so uh, relieved that his accomplishment yeah. at it was hardly better than mine. Yay! <laughs> One commit. Yay! <laughs> the other interesting thing was uh, they're, they're slowing down the freight train that's been the... Uh, WordPress development cycle, and they're kind of going back to the old cycle where you know they just push out uh, updates when they're actually ready instead of just by a timetable. Uh, Carrie, what what were your thoughts on Matt's day of the word? Um, well, I think because I'm kind of relatively new to WordPress in general, like I've been working with it for three years, so I'm kind of used to the how the development cycle has worked. However, I actually am pretty excited about the new development cycle. I think the focus on the three core areas of the REST API, the editor, and the customizer are actually going to help um, WordPress really move forward. And I'm really excited about the focus on the editor, especially, and seeing how can we take that to a new level that makes it so much easier and so much better um, as an end user to use WordPress. So I'm actually really stoked about it. No, and I think a lot of people would agree that the, the editor is long overdue from, for some TLC. Yeah. Uh, you know, Kim, what, what were your big takeaways from the State of the Word this year? 
Well, <laughs> what's funny is I was at WordCamp US, but I skipped the state of the word. Um, <laughs> Heresy. <laughs> you naughty lady. <laughs> I was there for three hours. That was it because I had a conflicting event that same weekend. Uh, so I watched bits and pieces. Um, Online, I, I like the I like the pullback on the release dates. Though I think they've gotten crazy this last year over we're going to release, we're going to release. Whether we really have something we need to do or not, yeah. and it starts getting where you know. And Jonathan, you've got to be really involved with this, right? We have to upgrade everybody, et cetera, and upgrade and change. And but what did it really give us? Right. Let's do ones that that actually make sense where you really need to get something out to people and not just put it on a calendar to meet a deadline. Excellent. Oh, Sally disappeared. Oh, All Sally uh, gets her. Oh, 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 she's back. Me. I'll speak Sally. Yeah. Oh, Sally's back. It just disappeared. <laughs> it kicked me out and said, connection has been lost. Uh, uh, yeah, what were your thoughts on Stay of the Word, Sally? All right, so I watched the live stream last week after our show. Um, and, uh, yeah, I... I uh, <clears throat> commented on uh, on Twitter about the you know the change to the to the relentless path of the development cycle and somebody responded and said huge sigh of relief from every hosting company everywhere uh, but uh, you know and and the thing is like you know I remember back in the olden days when I was your age uh, you know and every time there was a release of WordPress there was something really exciting about it because they you know they had big stuff in it and you know the, the most of the latest releases of, of WordPress haven't been very exciting I think there are a couple of good things in this one um, and, uh, and and also I knew that when they said focus on the editor, you know, that everybody on, on this panel was going to, you know, cheer because, you know, we seem to mention it in every edit episode how problematic the editor is and, and in fact I took a, a, there was, I saw a questionnaire about you know what would you like to see changed in, in the editor and, and commented on a uh, on a few things I mean it, it, it seems to me like it must be possible somehow to like automatically do the editor style thing at least so that what people are seeing on the back end looks more like what they're seeing on the front end if, if they can do it in Calypso they presumably can do it elsewhere um, and uh, uh, so that was, uh, you know, I I thought uh, that was uh, interesting and a and a and a good thing. And uh, it, and there was something else, but all I can remember is the bit about Matt saying, "I would have asked for help tying my tie, except I remembered where I was." <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Uh, what, what do you think about them? Uh, you know, kind of pushing the agenda. You know, saying all hosts, all all sites should be really on HTTPS, and, and all hosts should be running PHP seven. Good, it works, good thing. Works for me. I mean, it, and uh, you know, I I uh, shared something on ManageWP recently where you know SiteGround is is now making PHP seven the default for any new site. Um, that you set up, and I started using it for my own site, I don't know, about six months ago, eight months ago. Um, it does make a difference. And now that so many hosts are offering, you know, free uh, SSL certificates, either through Let's Encrypt or, or sometimes someplace else, um, it, it seems like that's not such a high bar. And, and one thing I've noticed 
uh, about, you know, I have some clients who are on GoDaddy's managed WordPress and, you know, it beats the pants off of their regular shared hosting, but it's still on like PHP 5.4 or something mm-hmm. insane like that. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I think this will help, uh, help some of the hosting companies to, to get their act in gear. And also remember the HTTPS push is also a big Google push. That's not just a WordPress, but Google is saying that starting like next year, even our basic sites that are asking for information from people uh, to maybe do a basic membership to get a download, if it's not HTTPS, HTTPS, they're going to flag that. So I think WordPress is just kind of coming along with some other standards in the industry of where we're going. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's one of my clients who was on, God help him, Bluehost, uh, it got an email from his hosting company about, you know, that basically Google's push for SSL and do you need a certificate? And, and you know, he, he forwarded it to me and said, do I need to do something? So, you know, I took a look and all of their certificates are, you know, some kind of monthly fee, plus you need to get a, a dedicated IP. And, uh, you know, what I did instead was set them up with Cloudflare and turn on their HTTPS and, you know, presto, nice little green lock. Uh, It doesn't cost him anything except my time to set it up. No, I think that's excellent. And that's a great point. Uh, I, so again, people, you know, say like web design is, uh, the need for it is uh, dematerializing because there's so many services to just let people do it themselves. But as is proven, there's always things that people are going to need our assistance for, for certain. Jonathan, any thoughts on the state of the word? Yeah, I thought it was it was really great news um, that the scheduling is going converting back. Um, but like Kerry says, you know, for the past three years, it's been like that. But I think it's much more sensible myself. Um, it was I just thought it was just going bonkers myself. Well, it, it gave them a bit of a kick in the rear because they had been kind of slow for a while. But to, you know, to to keep to it for its own sake, whether or not it, it really made sense, you know, that, that just seemed like it was starting to cause more more trouble for anybody than it was worth. Yeah, it seems much, much more sensible. You know, you're going to have your security updates. Um, and then you have your major releases, but it won't be linked to artificial schedule that really didn't work that well, I don't feel, for anybody. So, um, you know, when you do get a major release, you know, it's going to be pretty significant, I'd imagine. And also having, you know, looking at three Pacific areas, I think that might, that also helps. It was, I thought, it was all good news really um i thought it was one of his better speeches and um i think the question and answer session was quite good as well so i thought the whole thing was pretty good news really very good um second news story is uh also tied to WordCamp us there's a little bit of a shall we say misunderstanding when it came to sponsorship, uh, Pantheon plunked down 100 Gs to sponsor, help sponsor WordCamp US. Uh, 
I know, I know and, a podcast you can sponsor. If you want to. <laughs> yeah, I know a great WordPress po- uh, podcast you can sponsor for. Much cheaper than hundred thousand. Yeah, it won't cost you a hundred thousand. Well, anyway, um, I guess it, it, I'm, they. I'm, e- I'm emailing them after the show, John. There you go. Okay. All right. There you go. Okay. But uh, definitely. So uh, basically, they. Uh, got ambitious and they said like, Hey, uh, here's this hotel and uh, where all the word campers are staying and let's try to uh, put our advertising up here. Well, apparently um, the rules of sponsoring word camp weren't made really clear at this point in time. And even though the hotel was a separate entity from the event space, the, the organizer said, Pantheon, you can't do that. And they said, yes, we can. And uh, I guess uh, things got heated late in the night, and there was some harsh words exchanged, and uh, the code of contact was invoked against Pantheon, and Matt Mullenweg returned their money, said, you're not sponsoring this event. And then I guess there was a meeting the next day, and, and Cooler Heads prevailed, and uh, what 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 can we learn from all this? I don't want to paint anybody as the bad guy, but um, Carrie, what you, you, I, have you heard about this story? And what are your thoughts on it? And and what can you know WordCamp people do in the future to kind of uh, you know make it more clear what the rules of sponsorship are? Right. Yeah, I definitely had heard about it. Um... I think like in terms of what could be done, it just seems like there needs to be much clearer guidelines in terms of sponsorship and like, you know, what if a hotel is like maybe offering a special discounted rate for word campers, like maybe then we have to explicitly state like this is off limits for additional advertising or whatever. I think it just needs, it comes down to clarity and, and really laying out for sponsors, like this is okay, but this isn't. And, you know, having a, a conversation about that rather than taking dramatic action, uh, like the day before the WordCamp is set to start. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'll mention this too. There is another article that I saw on the WP Tavern website. It was a guest post by Tony Perez of Sucuri. And he put a lot of data into this and, and he basically wrote this article that was about the ROI of sponsoring WordCamps. And he was uh, saying essentially that, you know, the people that plunk down this money, they're n- usually not getting a lot of signups in return. Uh, it, you know, you work for a very large agency within the WordPress space uh, are those sorts of things that that people talk about at all, like the the ROI of sponsoring a WordCamp, or is it just something that you know people within the WordPress space do just for the love of WordPress? I mean, I would say like mainly people are doing it for the love of WordPress to kind of get you know their own names out there, maybe get their agency's name out there. But I think that, you know, in the spirit of open source and the WordPress community in general, I mean, it's really more about sharing knowledge and sharing with the community than it should be about, like, just chucking a bunch of money at something. I mean, clearly, we need sponsorships to keep WordCamps accessible to the community. But um, I think, you know, we have to think about what reasons we are doing uh, WordCamps and participating. 
No, definitely. Uh, Kim, you know, what, what were your thoughts on this story? Um, well, and I had read Tony's article also, and, and I will tell you this, that is my something I kind of noted between year one of WordCamp US and year two of how much packed that sponsor hall was last year uh, than this year. And I mean, I understand that as WordPress, we, you know, yes, it's open source and it's sharing, but at the same time, when you're running a business, you have to make money. And I used to put on big computer events. I was part of the team that put on the Novell Network event in Austin, Texas, long, long ago. And Whoa. the the wow. people sponsoring really are looking to at least get something back, not just name recognition. I also thought in this case, look, if if they didn't specifically violate the rules and they showed that they didn't, then... I, I think that they, I don't think you have a right to say to them, you broke the rules because it didn't say that. And they very specifically made sure their verbiage was not anything they weren't allowed to have. So, you know, you have to say, if you're not allowed to, if you're not allowed to do something at this sponsor or at the hotel, then you got to say that. Otherwise, they played by the rules. Yeah, I, I okay. think that's where a lot of the misunderstanding was because I think that. Yeah, and I don't. I'm not inside the the WordCamp US organizing team. I'm not going to even pretend to know what they were thinking. But I think if I was in that situation, I would be worried that the other sponsors would feel that, like, hey, we're not getting advertising at the hotel. You know, why are they getting special treatment when in fact it was a separate deal? And just nobody thought to do it. Um, so I understand both sides. I understand why both sides took the stance that they did. Um, you know, and I want to ask Sally, you know, when it comes to sponsoring a WordCamp, <clears throat> it's one thing if it's like a local WordCamp, say if it's like East Bay or Reno or Las Vegas or Sacramento or something like that. But when you're sponsoring like WordCamp US, those dollar amounts get very huge that, that they're being asked to shell out. Um, is there something that you know, the foundation can do to make sure that these companies are getting some sort of ROI on their sponsorship for these major events? I don't know uh, about that because it's, it's not as if you can force attendees to, uh, you know, to buy the products or, or do whatever. And in, in the cases of, you know, it's usually hosting companies that, that provide the, the biggest bucks. Um, and, uh, you know, in some cases, I mean, you know, it was it was a WordCamp San Francisco in around 2011 where I met the SiteGround people and talked to them. And, and that was why I, you know, they were giving out, you know, uh, coupon codes for like a free year of hosting or six months of, or something like that. And, and so it's like, yeah, well, let me go and, and try this. And, uh, you know, now all of my sites and a lot of my client sites are, are there because they have really a good product. But if you're already happy with your existing, you know, hosting company, and you encounter a new one, well, you might go check it out. It might have, you know, if, if it's got something new and different that it's, it's offering, like, you know, Flywheel has this arrangement where you can, you know, set up a, a, a dev site and not pay for it, and then hand it over to the, to the client easily. And that's a, you know, that's a, and, 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 an interesting thing, you know, worth checking out. And of course, you can check it out without, uh, paying and I'm sure they, you know, did ultimately get a, a bunch of customers from that. But um, you know, it's kind of tough because a lot of people there they might already use your product, 
uh, or service, uh, you know, they might not really be in the market for that. And so, yeah, it's a lot of money to spend on basically, you know, raising awareness and trying to develop uh, relationships in some way, which I think does, you know, make a difference if, if it, it is uh, one of the ways that, you know, GoDaddy has attempted to uh, repair its reputation is is through a lot of WordCamp sponsorship and, and very sort of active getting to know people in the uh, in the community. Uh, but I think, you know, events in general, it's not just in, in, the WordPress arena, but, but any kind of uh, expo, uh, it's pretty questionable. What are you getting back out of that? You know, it's not, you're, you're not likely to be making that much money in sort of direct sales to, to consumers. It's more of the, well, I might meet, you know, distributors or make some kind of a, make some kind of a connection and, and get that out of it. But, you know, you might not too. Uh, and I, I don't think there's like a formula for making that work. No, interesting. Um, I agree with you. I mean, it's it, there. There isn't really a formula for making any sort of, you know, impact work. It's it's what you do with the opportunity. It's it's. Uh, I, I think the U.S. events, like the or the WordCamp Europe or something like that, is is a little bit different from the you know just city WordCamps. Uh, Jonathan, what were your thoughts on this news story? Well, I can only go by what's been stated publicly on the Tavern and other websites. So, obviously, there's probably a lot more to this story. Um, I, I think Matt was out of order, really. I think the initial response was totally out of order. I don't think when you're charging a sponsor $100,000, um, you can really treat them that way. If I was the CEO of that company... I wouldn't be that very happy about the treatment my company received after coughing up $100,000. Matt's human. We all, um, it was, I, I probably, some, I'm only surmising that he was getting a lot of heat from other sponsors about, you know, it was probably seen that, you know, they were given preferential treatment and he was getting a lot of heat. And, um, but it, unfortunately it was all done in a pretty unprofessional, not in the best way really. Um, but it is what it is, isn't it, John? It is what it is. And I, I think, you know, perhaps the, the, you know, WordCamp organizers everywhere and specifically the ones for the, you know, WordCamp US, you know, wherever that next year it'll be Nashville. Um, in, in our two years, it'll be somewhere else, but, uh, the foundation, the sponsors, uh, and WordCamp organizers can definitely like all learn something from this. That, you know, um, when there's a situation like that, you got to think of of all things and maybe you know make it very clear. Uh, I just like to say, there's that part of it, and then there's the part that Sally said. You know, I've I've had discussions with people about sponsorship and that, and. You know, you get some people, you know, it's it's multifaceted, isn't it? It's about building your brand. It's building a reputable reputation in the WordPress community. It's seen as contributing to the community. And then, um, but if you're looking... If you're looking for solely A to B kind of transference, you spend you spend $1 and you're going to get $5 back. It ain't going to happen. 
But on the other hand, when you're asking somebody a hundred thousand dollars, and yeah. they do another totally, um, it's not in the you know. For, I'm only getting the impression from what I read. They they go to a third party and they do a separate deal, and then you ban them because they had the audacity to do a third party deal. It just sounds totally out of order. To me. Yeah, I sus- I suspect that you know it wasn't against the rules because nobody considered that somebody might you know somebody might do it and uh you know that they're they're kind of you know which resulted in sort of a bait and switch arrangement and uh, you know i i have this kind of vision of you know wordcamp uh, organizers uh, you know in the and the community group on make wordpress uh, you know kind of getting together and imagining every possible thing and then you get this like 50 page set of guidelines which no one is going to yeah. read anyway uh, and uh, it, it is it is kind of uh, it is kind of tough. Uh, I don't think that. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, Sally. That's okay. I I don't think that they got banned because they had the gumption to go and advertise at the hotel, which is a smart move. Um, yeah. I I think that they got banned because the discussion got heated and they might have said something to the organizers that was colored or you know just kind of you know edgy or you know vindictive uh, that's that's what i'm getting i, I do suspect somebody said something that, that was you know that could not be overlooked yeah somebody got sassy yeah. so <laughs> you can never imagine me getting like that after spending hundred pounds oh hell no could, could, no john could you? you could never say you can imagine me saying something back could you yeah so my, can nope. you imagine it john my english sarcasm would be on steroids oh, I, I don't need to i don't need to imagine it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway yeah so yeah we got a third news story this is very interesting uh godaddy picks up another asset from the wordpress community wp curve has been acquired by godaddy i, lo- I, lo- uh, I love you godaddy you're you're fantastic i take it all back GoDaddy. yes everything i've said about you i don't i don't mean it godaddy <laughs> right it's, it's, it's the reason they didn't acquire you instead just that they know how you feel you can, about you them. can kill as many yeah. elephants as you like i love it right. <laughs> Well, conversely, like if, if, you know, if people who are like you that, um, you know, have strong feelings about GoDaddy, there is definitely. Well, I, I um, don't have any more, John. They're all gone. It's all forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. There's, there's a WordPress maintenance, uh, you know, out that you could uh, definitely, you know, switch to if, if, if. You feel it's going downhill. Uh, yeah, so definitely, like uh, WP Curve, acquired by GoDaddy. Carrie, what are your thoughts? Um, unfortunately, I'm not too familiar with WP Curve, so... Um. <laughs> oh, you little fibber. You fibber. You've just been diplomatic, aren't you? Uh, no, I'm, 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 I'm just not. Um, but, you know, like... It is what it is. I think we all have to expect that, like, these kinds of things happen, so... Yeah. yeah, you didn't have. <laughs> yeah, and I guess it's it's weird. So uh, you know, I'll just I'll just ask you too. I mean, because you know, when managed to, or you know, I remember a couple of years ago, Media Temple got acquired. People lost their minds. Um, mm-hmm. and people are going to switch all their stuff off of Media Temple, and then uh, just very recently, Manage WP got acquired, and, and you know, people were also losing their minds. Um, and you seem just very just whatever you know 
Um, it, well, maybe it's because I worked in like I worked for a large tech company that used to acquire right. yeah. smaller companies left and right. And honestly, you know, from from WP Curve's perspective, they're probably thinking this is great because we'll have more money to do things that actually serve our customers better. And that's really as a customer, that's how you should be looking at it. It's like you know, don't think about necessarily just because GoDaddy acquired somebody, you can't just assume that GoDaddy's going to take it and then immediately change everything about it. Like, that's not how acquisitions work. They're not like, you know, they're not a slapdash thing. They they take time. Yeah. And so, you know, you have time to assess the situation for yourself and really decide, like, is it going to work for me? And if it's not, then you have the time to research other options. It's not the end of the world. Definitely. Something I want to ask you, though, too, when you see people having strong reactions when their favorite company gets acquired, do you think that what what do you attribute that to? Is it just loyalty to the brand and they don't want to see it ruined or they just a little bit of that? I think change for most people is terrifying. And, you know, even if it's something that that ultimately won't affect them i think people are still like well i don't know the game has changed so maybe i gotta do something different and i think people just kind of panic a little bit because they think like just because some change happened then everything's gonna change and then you're gonna have to start over or whatever and i, I don't necessarily think that's the case yeah i'm, I'm kind of in that boat too uh kim what are your thoughts on the acquisition uh, well, I agree with Carrie on you know how people knee jerk things. Um, absolutely, I worked in a company that was had been acquired by IBM and was part of that whole thing. And of course, IBM acquires lots and lots of people, and they continue to. And uh, um, I, I think, in a lot of ways, I think it's good for WP Curve, as she said. You've got some more money behind you. Uh, there will be people within the company that hate it because they don't want to be a bigger company, et cetera. We had that when, you know, uh, when Tivoli was bought by IBM, even though I actually came on board after that, the whole debacle. Um, and, and it's good for GoDaddy. I, I mean, obviously, they just bought this new customer base. What we end up having to see, and it, I, Carrie, you're right, it takes time to see how it shakes out. Well, what we end up having to see is, is it the customer that wins? Does GoDaddy stick with the reputation that WP Curve has built as a good customer service, or do they fall into the fact that GoDaddy's customer service has sometimes left a lot to be desired? <laughs> so if they push that onto them, it could be a bad thing for the customer. But we just have to see, right? What are they, why are they acquiring it and what are they looking to do and, and give it time? I think. And I think it, it happens in every community, but I think even more so in any of the open source communities, they are more sensitive to acquisitions because, you know, there's kind of that aspect of we want everything to be free and sharing information and this and that. And, oh, my God, that big guy just bought our guy. You know, so there's a little more, I think, worrisome about it. But it, Carrie's right. We'll just have to see what happens. It could be good. It could be bad. It could, it could be where you really don't even notice the difference as a customer. Excellent point. Sally, uh, you know, what do you think GoDaddy's ultimate goal is in acquiring all these different components? Well, um, my hope is that uh, 
you know, they acquired WP Curve because they want to improve their customer service and uh, their offerings. And, and, you know, there is a lot of c- competition for WordPress hosting. And anybody who looks at the, at the numbers of people on WordPress, you know, if, if you get, if you do good WordPress hosting, you know, that's a big percentage of, of the internet that you might have. Um, I, I heard, I was listening to Carrie Dill's live show the other night and uh, uh, somebody on the panel suggested that, you know, this was uh, GoDaddy uh, attempting to compete with Automatic. Um, and I thought that was kind of an interesting suggestion, but I, I think they're going to have a, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think they're doing really the same kind of thing. I don't think, you know, whatever they bring on in terms of, you know, partnerships with Beaver Builder and managed, you know, and uh, acquiring managed WP and WP Curve, you know, I think they they may be able to establish themselves as a, as a sort of, you know, uh, full service hosting, not, to, you know, uh, with with various kinds of, of assistance uh, and that that might be good. But that's, you know, that's a lot different from, say, the VIP hosting that, that Automatic provides. Uh, and so I don't know if it's really comparable, but those, you know, between Automatic's acquisitions and GoDaddy's acquisitions, we, you know, we hear a lot about acquisitions. And I think everybody, uh, you know, has an idea about acquisitions in, in general uh, that, you know, oh, the, you know, whatever it is, is going to be basically, you know, destroyed or lose its personality or lose its, you know, whatever. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't think Skype has been improved uh, because it was bought by Microsoft, uh, for instance. But, uh, you know, and, and uh, there are, you know, everybody knows of situations where it didn't go well or situations where one company bought another one because basically they wanted to put them out of business and it was the only way to, you know, to remove the competition. And they're, they're not even necessarily looking for the, uh, you know, for the intellectual property. Uh, so I think people are, are afraid that sort of thing is going to happen. And, you know, in some cases it does. And in many cases, um, everything's fine. And, you know, what I hope will happen is, is that, you know, uh, GoDaddy does, you know, develop a better uh, customer service that is, you know, specifically knowledgeable about WordPress and can do um, some of those, you know, little jobs for people uh, uh, because I think they're aiming in a lot of ways at the relative beginner with their onboarding and their beaver builder and, and so on. And, you know, that's a, that's a fairly specific niche. There's a lot of people in it. Um, you know, they could, they could do well with this. I don't think it's going to make much of a difference to uh you know, people who are, are doing much more custom development, but, you know, uh, it may be that, uh, you know, it's something of an issue for some of the other, um, some of the other maintenance companies, uh, you know, that there, there may be a, yeah, a rush to get acquired in a, in a way that hasn't been typical in the WordPress space. You know, well, it's like everybody who, everybody who starts a certain kind of tech company seems to want to be bought by Google, but, <laughs> You know that isn't that 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 hasn't been the the, the end game in in uh, in people creating WordPress companies. No, and and that's an excellent point. You made two excellent points that I that I want to uh, reiterate. And one that you said that they're trying to aim at the beginning user, and they already have the hosting stone up. A lot of people are their domains there. A lot of people host there, 
they have a large chunk of the hosting market and now they've got you know managed wp they've so they can maintain it they've got wp curves so people can do small fixes and they also have the uh, GoDaddy Connect Pro to where people can hire people through their uh, ecosystem. So in a way, for people who are just starting out with a website and uh, need help like doing it, they've got all these components. So I think in a way they're, they're trying to build, they're trying to get a chunk of that WordPress pie as they, they see that it's 27% of the market. So I think that's a very smart move. Second thing that you said that I think is very true is a lot of companies are started and an exit is the goal. And the, the people behind WP Curve, they have a long track record as entrepreneurs. They've made successful exits before. So maybe that was the goal. Uh, a lot of people start companies though. And an exit is not their goal. Uh, they want to you know, grow it and, uh, you know, build it up. But, but a lot of entrepreneurs do start like companies with the goal of, of making an exit. And seemingly in today's world, uh, not as many people want to go the distance with a company. Jonathan, what were your thoughts on the acquisition of WP Curve? By Go well, Daddy? I think all the panel have made some excellent points. I, I was surprised when I heard it because of scalability. Um, I just don't think... I. I don't know for this sure, but I, I, <clears throat> I heard on the grapevine that, that they were having some serious discussions with WP Engine and um, Jason the um, Cohen in the end decided it wasn't scalable business that really fitted into WP Engine's business model at the present moment. That's why I heard on the grapevine how true that is. I don't know, but I heard that they were having some serious discussions with them. Um, and I heard that the business was being touted to be sold. Um, I, but I was surprised GoDaddy went with it because of the scalability issue. Um, but obviously, they're not idiots. It's They've got some really bright people. And they looked at the business model and they looked at it and they... Um, but like what um, Sally said, there's all there's all sorts, of, and, and what Kim said, there's all sorts of reasons why a larger business buys a smaller business. So it'd just be interesting to see how it goes, John. Yeah, definitely. Uh, with that, I think we're you know we're up against our break, yep. and then we we're going to come back and we're going to talk our main subject, which is best starter themes and frameworks for WordPress development. See you after the break. Buying or selling a home in the greater Reno-Tahoe area? I know the best CRS real estate broker, and that's Karen Conrad. And you can find her at karenconrad.com or call directly at 775-527-7021. We're coming back from the break, and we're talking with our WordPress panel, the best starter themes and frameworks for WordPress development. And uh, first thing I want to ask is, you know, there, there's different frameworks out there. Uh, you know, there's Genesis, there's uh, Cherry Framework, there's Theme Hybrid, uh, there's, you know, all these other ones that are more like blank themes, uh, like underscores, Starkers, various ones like that. And I know that we talked with Carrie like very recently. Um, she developed her own uh, theme framework, Alcatraz. I want to ask you, Carrie, you know, in your experience, building themes you know what are 
the pros and cons of dealing with a theme framework and, you know, what inspired you to build Alcatraz? Sure. Um, I think the pros and cons of starting with a theme framework is, well, the pros are definitely that you get a faster start. I mean, nothing stinks more than trying to start a new WordPress or a new project in general, whether it's WordPress or any other um, development project and not have anything that resembles anything like what you're trying to work with or your end goal. Um, but the cons of some frameworks can be that they can just be, there can be a learning curve and it can actually slow your development down. Uh, so when I worked with my friends to create Alcatraz, we were just trying to create a framework that would get us to our end goal of creating sites quickly and easily and mainly just focusing on adding a polish like a CSS like theming or whatever um, as quickly as possible. So I think when choosing themes, it's like, or a starter framework, it's kind of up to you as a developer to decide like what's going to get you to where you want to be in with the least resistance possible. Definitely. And, you know, as far as that, like, how do you, how do you feel like um, Alcatraz stacks up against some of the other theme frameworks that you've encountered in the past? You know, what problems does it um, solve? Well, for us, it was solving a lot of issues of like being able to kind of quickly choose, say, navigation styles or layout styles or whatever. Um, I mean, like some, like, for example, at WBS, we use WD underscores, and that's like very, like it's based on the underscores, but it's got like what we need for our large enterprise development projects. Um, but we have to do a lot to kind of bend it to like have a navigation or something like that. Whereas Alcatraz is just like, I want to have like maybe this specific navigation style and this layout, whether I want to be with box content or whatever. Um, so we just tried to create a theme framework that would make it just really quick to prototype and really quick to get up and running. No, definitely. And it, and it sounds like an excellent solution. Uh, definitely something uh, people should check out. You know, Kim, what, what are your thoughts on uh, theme, theme frameworks? You know, what type of experience have you had with some of those? Well, at this point, it's completely out of my wheelhouse because I don't do any of my own custom development anymore. Everything, everything I'm doing is trying to replicate what my first year brand new students can do. So oh, I'm working, go. you know, I'm working with the Beaver Builders and the Divis of the world because that's my focus. So I worked with Genesis once upon a time, but I, I'm completely leaving this one to you guys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fair enough. Um, Sally, you know, uh, what's your experience with theme frameworks? Uh, have you dealt with Genesis or any of these other ones or... I build pretty much exclusively on Genesis, but boy, I remember my first encounter with it, you know, opening a, a file in a child theme, and the only thing it says is Genesis. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm totally with Carrie about the, you know, the, the learning curve issues. And, you know, I, now that I've invested time into getting to know how it works, it's much faster for me to work with and working with something else. I've, you know, occasionally built, you know, child themes of some of the 20 whatever uh, themes. And, and it's, you know, it's good to work with those some and kind of like know what's what's going on there. Um, 
but it's it's slower for me uh, than building with Genesis. But you but you know you kind of have to find one as as Carrie was saying, find one that works for you, and then you get to know it well, and then you know just that experience is part of what makes it faster. Whatever kind of workflow you've you've set up, and um, you know there's there's also people throw the word framework around a little bit, and, it, and it's kind of confusing because there are things that that are there are CSS frameworks like um, bootstrap and uh, foundation that some people uh, base their uh, themes on and say, you know, and then that saves them, uh, you know, saves them work in terms of a lot of of basic styles. And then they just, just tweak that a little bit. Um, I was reading an O'Reilly book on, uh, what's it it called? High performance responsive design. And they did some load tests and, and basically, you know, if, if, if you're loading that whole framework into your theme, that's a chunk of, of, of a performance hit. Um, so you have to, uh, you, you have to kind of trade that off. And also is that kind of a style, is that framework how you want to build things and how you want things to look or not? Because if you're just going to be overriding, you know, 50% or more of it, it's, it's pretty stupid to, to load the whole thing. And then you have yeah. the, you know, the theme framework, which is, your, you know, in the case of Genesis, it's a combination of a parent theme and the framework. The framework lives within the parent theme, and you've got a bunch of additional hooks, uh, you know, to make it easier to develop with. And then, you know, you can let the Genesis, the Studio, studio Press, be responsible for keeping up with various kinds of, of issues. And, you know, you may have to make some changes in your in your child theme, but you can safely update it. You know, I, I'm looking at, at starter themes and thinking, so, like, what happens when the person who creates a starter theme <laughs> updates it? Because whatever you built on, a, on an earlier version, well, you that's kind of there unless you go and change it. Um, and uh, you know, otherwise, it's only going to be what you build on on the new version. You know, your your stuff going forward uh, that benefits from any updates. So you know, you always have trade offs in in picking something, and uh, you know, it depends who you are and and what works for you. And are you working? You know, are are you somebody like Carrie who's working with a team where it makes a lot of sense for the whole company to have you know, a, a com- kind of a common workflow uh, and, uh, you know, or are you there by your, yourself and, and, you know, and what are you comfortable with and, and what can you take the, the time to, uh, to get to know? Uh, you know, that's an excellent point. Um, when you're talking about using uh, a framework like Genesis, where you kind of have to learn the ways to work with that specific framework as opposed to just using something like, you know, plain WordPress. Uh, What kind of learning curve is there for uh, getting used to, you know, that specific system? Uh, you know, I, I figured it out over time, and that's pretty much the same way I figured out, uh, you know, how WordPress in in general uh, works is a lot of just, you know, trial and error, read tutorials, pay attention to, you know, there are now some some uh, good courses on, on lynda.com and elsewhere um, to help you get to know stuff. So if, you know, I don't know how long it would take if you really were saying like, you know, I'm going to set aside a couple of weeks and just bust my butt getting to know this, uh, this framework, because you might 
get to be pretty familiar with it in a, in a short time. Uh, I tend to be learning stuff, you know, more uh, in the process of using it. Okay, I need to build X for my client. Uh, here's, you know, let me figure out how to do that. And so it's a it's a more general evolution over time. And, and you know, if you're already busy in the middle of a lot of client work, it can be hard to stop and take time to, to dedicate yourself to to learning something. I think it pays off when you do, but it's just, you know, all of those you know, client deadlines and, and people nagging at you to get stuff done can make that difficult. No, it's, it's definitely, uh, it's all about like being familiar with the workflow and being able to move through it quickly and, and get the result you need. Uh, Jonathan, um, you know, what types of uh, frameworks have you had experience with, you know, working with well, it's a, it was really, a, you know, we had a pre-show discussion, John, and, it, and it's a really interesting subject because I also see influenced by, pre, um, I was listening to a podcast on post-status um, and both the guys there were talking about themes, what is a theme, what is a framework, and it, it it's it's difficult to even, to, you know, to, and... Um, I think Genesis, you know, you, you, it's great, but you're going to have to invest a, a fair chunk of uh, time learning it because it's yeah. got its own way of doing it, hasn't it? And um, and it was highly widget-based. You know, some, I'm going to get shot here, aren't I, John? I think, I'm digging a <laughs> hole for myself. I'm going to have all these Genesis developers emailing me. All right, John. Perhaps. Uh, yeah. They were I can hear the knives coming out already. <laughs> <I> mean, <sharp. laughs> uh, but um, it's fine. I, uh, but I, I'm actually doing a little project on Genesis right now, actually. Um, and um, yeah, it's about, you know, and Beaver Build, it's kind of regenerated it because it was heavily, what I was going to say was it's heavily widget based. Um, um, which you can change now quite a bit and um, it's fine but a lot of people say because of the way WordPress has moved on the fundamental reason that made Genesis in performance terms interesting has gone away but I do read I do also agree highly with Kerry and why she had done her own framework but it's a personal style for, I find I found underscores to be a little bit too bare um and there's a lot of repetition and i um i totally follow her logic with her own why with her friends she went with this project because um i'm not going to look at it kerry over the next couple of weeks <laughs> going to download it and play with it um but then you got all, and then you got all these themes, haven't you? You know, you got these frame, then you got these themes, haven't you? And a lot of them are based on foundation or bootstrap. They're knocking around, aren't they? And then you got the pain. Then um, post has pointed out you got like Divi, you know, and you actually have. Um, but I, I agree what they they were saying that uh, uh, the ones that are really aimed for the do-it-yourselves tend to be linked to themes but you know where something like beaver builder i think they and i agreed what they were the two guys were saying is that the kind of plug-in page builder is more aimed at the kind of consultant developer type yeah. and i've 
statements. But I don't know if the panel agree with some of those statements I'm making, really. I would agree with that, for sure. Um, I mean, my my last job before I worked at WDS was at a studio where we used a multi-purpose theme that basically used Visual Composer as the main uh, layout tool. Lovely, lovely. I know it was it was really my dream job. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so it it I think it was kind of more aimed at like the beginning like WordPress person. But as anybody who's ever used Visual Composer knows, there is nothing beginner about that plugin. Right. Absolutely not. It's like. I, I was I went into that job thinking, yeah, I know what I'm doing. And then I looked at Visual Composer and I was like, everything I know about web design has gone out the window with this. <laughs> and you know, you, you know, you know, you, well, you know, I'm not trying to be funny here, but you know a lot about web design. And, uh, um, <laughs> my, my, uh, um, but yeah, it's just a nightmare, isn't it, dear? Isn't it? Yeah. You just smile and deal with it, don't you? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Like in you know as as far as you know like building a theme from scratch I mean that's the whole purpose of a framework is to enable you to build something quickly in a predictable way that uh you know you have your components ready and, and you can you know prototype quickly um yeah. if you were if if somebody said to you can't use genesis can't use uh, alcatraz can't use any variation of underscores. Uh, you know, <laughs> what what framework would you uh, recommend out there? Well, I'm out. I, those are the only ones I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd like to mention. You know, we we mentioned it in our pre-show. Is that I can't. The past eighteen months, I've been dealing with a lot of other things, so I've not been developing that as much. But I used to use Theme Hybrid, didn't I? And I was, we were talking about that, weren't we, John? And I still, yep. And he's moved it on, isn't he? It was more, it was, in some ways, it was kind of very different, but it had some similarities to how Genesis would de- deals with things. But I understand by talking to a couple of people, he, um, who, I forgot who the developer of it is. Who is it, John? Oh, uh, I've I don't know either. Oh god, Jason, isn't it Jason? Oh, is this um theme hybrid? Yeah. I know who you're talking about. Uh Tadlock. Yeah, he's a great developer, so. isn't he? Yeah. A great member of the WordPress community, just a great guy. I'm going to have to try and get him on the show if I can. Um but um I thought it was really fantastic. So I, I, I and um he's I think he's changed the direction of it a little bit so it, it's a slightly different um concept now than when i was actively using it but it's he's got great documentation and it's not ridiculously priced and it comes from a great developer don't it john so i think people should look at it yeah no and definitely and i i haven't built anything on theme hybrid myself uh but it does seem to be something like in the vein of thesis or genesis but a little bit more user friendly perhaps well it's getting, but there's, it uses the git template um yes a lot doesn't it where where genesis you really are going you know just hooks you really go down a very 
full specific. Car fart yeah. you, you know, um, <laughs> you know, um, I, I think it, yeah, and I'll say that too. Like, like if it's using stuff like Git template part, that is that is something that's like more familiar to what I've done with development because I've I've built probably you know like thirty five you know different like custom themes just on underscores in the past um, three years, and and before that I was using another um, kind of blank starter theme called Starkers. I don't know if anybody's familiar with that. But um, it leans pretty heavily on, on, you know, having like your different template parts and you call them in. Where Genesis is very much just all about here's kind of the the system. And uh, if you want to change stuff, like here's the hooks to do it. Uh, Which to me is, I don't know, I I guess the way that my brain works is it it is a little less appealing um, to me. so, so here's a question like Kim or, or, or Sally, have you guys had experience with things outside of, you know, the customary things like thesis, Genesis, uh, thesis? Oh, I, I worked on thesis once. Oh, okay. Once I worked once? on thesis once. Yeah. I inherited it. It was a client who had had something. It, it was I got that joy. Uh, I think, I mean, I would take a look at theme hybrid because I respect Justin Tadlock. Um, But, you know, the the thing I would possibly use if nothing else was available was to go back to, you know, whatever the current 20 whatever theme was, Mm -hmm. because at least I know that's, you know, sort of the the meant to be a solid expression of, you know, the WordPress way. Um, And uh, it ought to, uh, you know, it, it. it, it it ought to hold up to to updates pretty well, you know, at least until it gets to be old enough that they'd probably want their site redesigned anyway. Yeah, that's that's a great point. Good point. Another one that I want to mention um, out there that that I've seen. I haven't like built anything with it myself, but I've seen different themes um, on client sites that were built with something called the Cherry Framework. Is anybody familiar with that? I've never it. heard of it. Yeah. I know I have known people who worked with it. I have never worked with it, so I have heard of it. There's a couple of developers I've met through the WordCamps that that mentioned that they liked that one, but I've never never actually seen it in use. Yeah, I've got one question for Kerry. Actually, you know, we mentioned the CSS frame, you know, two of the most popular, which is Bootstrap and um, foundation so how do you you know because Kerry's um, did a fantastic presentation at Sacramento WordCamp about atomic design in your own mind how do you fit a kind of link atomic design with the popularity of something like bootstrap and foundation or are they very kind of two sides of the two different paths really or is there any linkage or am I just dribbling Carrie (laughs) um I wouldn't say there's like any link as such um I think because atomic design takes an approach of like kind of starting from a, a base of like looking at basic html elements and building on top of that whereas like a lot of these frame these css frameworks are like you just drop in need some stuff and then it's like here's some things that are already styled for you or some classes that you can already use um so i don't think necessarily that there's a huge link um i've never really 
dove into CSS frameworks as such because I think from a learning perspective, it was a lot more interesting to me to try to tinker with the CSS myself and figure out like what would work best. So um, that's kind of what we've done with Alcatraz and what I'm continuing to do to take the, the project forward. Yeah, I thought I'd just ask it because it seems kind of um, I, I didn't really frame the question that well, really, because I, I don't think there is much linkage with atomic design. And the, but it's, it's it's interesting that you've got this movement around that, and at the same time you've got these very structured frameworks that are kind of the the only word I was going to use is the opposite. So you've got two pathways, very two different ways of looking at things, haven't you? Right. Well, I think they they can be linked in that, like, let's say you're building your own theme framework or whatever, you can use atomic design to actually kind of guide the building of a CSS framework or a theme framework. Um, You know, you can start with those low level elements, do, you know, do whatever styles you need, build things up, make your your atoms and your molecule, whatever. And, um, you know, atomic design can be a really good basis for a framework. But as far as I know, there's there's no such thing that exists at this point in time. That means you're going to build one, right? Well, you know, that's what Alcatraz ultimately is going to be. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Very good. Uh, Another another one that's like very um, that I've seen people do this before and I've I've worked on sites where this was in place is an uh, HTML5 framework called Bones. Yeah. Yeah. Is anybody familiar with that? I've heard of it. I haven't used it. Yeah, same. I played around with it. Um, it's not as large as something like Bootstrap or Foundation. Um, it's a little bit smaller. There's a number of these kind of CSS frameworks that then kind of go into uh, a WordPress theme offering. I, but I just had a quick look at it. What about you, John? Did you ever use it at all? I haven't built anything with it, but like I said, I've worked on sites where that's what they used. Um, it seems to be a little bit lighter weight than something like Bootstrap. Yeah, um, definitely is. So you know, but one thing I would say um, is you know, Kerry kind of touched this with her previous employee employers. You get, you know, and you've mentioned it, John. You do get a lot of agencies um, that are using one of these um, all embracing. At a certain price point, they're using one of these all-embracing themes that you get from Theme Forest. You know, I'm not going to name names, but there's a couple there. And That's all right. We all know them. We know them. <laughs> and they're, and they're, they are kind of um, really fundamentally, they are kind of miniature frameworks in their own. They've built up a whole phone and they... They literally are a framework inside a theme, really, aren't they? And I'm not too keen on them myself. I think you're better off learning Genesis or one of these other frameworks that we mentioned rather than going down that path, really. I don't know if Kerry agrees or you, John, or the panel. I definitely agree. Honestly, I feel like when I was working with one of these frameworks or these themes before that we spent so much more time trying to override just really poorly written styles or whatever, you know, just trying to bend a terribly written theme to your will is 
a monumental challenge. It is a great learning experience. I will give it that. It will, it will challenge you on a daily basis, but I always felt that, you know, we could have been building um, Genesis sites so much faster, you know, just build that stuff from scratch. We would know exactly what we were doing. We could have built up our own tool set that would have helped us be more agile in development and ultimately deliver a better product. So, you know, there are definitely pros if you're like, oh, well, I just want to tinker and get a site that kind of looks better than whatever I might find on the repo, um, then I guess, you know, why not? But I just think for a dev, it's not worth your your time or your hassle. Definitely. I have something that I want to ask you, Carrie, and not to disparage your former employers or current employers or future employers. But um, it's something that I've encountered since the day that I stepped into doing web development with, um, you know, collaborating with other agencies. And and now that I'm kind of, you know, um, running my own stuff, I tend to, you know, build like custom themes more often than not. Right. But when, when, what I do notice is especially when you get down to the middle tier and, and lower, a lot of agencies just feel that if they grab something from theme forest and then, Hey, this is like, you know, 85% done and we could just slap some stuff in there. And what is the consideration for that is, is do, why do many, many agencies in, uh, you know, the, the web space do that? Is it just cost and are they hurting themselves in the long run? Um, I think some of it's cost. Honestly, I think kind of just based on, on my previous experience, I think also some of it's just that it's really, I mean, especially in the Bay area, it's impossible to find, you know, if you're a small agency, it's almost impossible to find really, really good developers and be able to pay them competitively with tech companies. So you're in a position where you're like, well, I could try to like, you know, if I want to be able to serve a specific niche, I can either try to learn all this stuff myself and run a one person show, or I could have maybe a small team of people who can help me, but we're going to have to compromise maybe and use some tools that are pretty darn close, but not perfect. So I think it kind of comes down to resources, um, whether it's, you know, money in paying a good developer or uh, time to learn how to, you know, learn best development practices and learn how to do things the right way. I think it's, it's really just like, that's what it comes down to. And it's not, and I think it's a tough decision for people to make to decide, like, I'm going to vet these themes and then this is the one I'm going to use. And like, it might work for your purpose, but you don't necessarily, if you don't, if you're not a developer, you don't know what the, the quality of the code is underneath. And I think that's where people start running into to trouble is not understanding what they're actually using. I think you might. And, and your client doesn't know why they should care about the quality of the code. Exactly. In, in addition to not knowing how to evaluate it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I think you made some excellent points there, Kerry. I, I just, because I'm really looking at, because um, uh, it's very, very, it's very difficult. Because if you're, if you're doing total custom, you know, you're given a, a Photoshop file and you're doing a full custom design, 
you have your own you know you're having your own framework or using yours but if you're in that middle ground i i I understand why um people really look at genesis because it does it's the egos it's this it's the developer community it's the resources it's studio press and you've got some quality third party theme commercial theme shots based and you know the code's gonna but you can get some really ropey coded um genesis third party themes some horrendous oh god after one i've been been working with it's sort of like yeah these themes are pretty but oh my (laughs) god there's how many extra javascript files loaded with this this is like no not using using any of those again and uh, so uh, yeah it's you know you 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 have to you know, check things out if you're if you're. Well, using I've it. had I've had on those kind of immediate. I'm not going to give you kind of lower level. I've had great success in uh, web savvy using Rebecca's web savvy um, themes and um, and doing a fair bit of adaptation um, of the home page if necessary and some of the other key pages. I found that very satisfactory myself on a few projects I've done over the past year really um and you also use um yeah uh, you know rather than using one of these swiss army knife theme forests but don't get me wrong um you know the theme that we use for wp tonic came from a uh, a well-respected theme forest developer and it's pretty well coded in it john and we we are fact me and my developers have hacked around it quite a bit haven't we yeah definitely i mean it's uh like I said, you know, th- this one is is a Team Forest theme, uh, the WP Tonic site. But uh, you know, in all fairness, uh, uh, it's the same one that's used on ApplyFilters.fm, and in well, fact, re- that's he recommended it, it to me. I thought we put so, it. Yeah. So, so I don't. I, yeah, I feel pretty confident. I, I think you're okay um, using that, but it's a really mixed bag because, um, like I said, it's 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 tough when the budget is small. And I totally get it. Like if you're in the Bay Area, it, you can't find anybody that's that's inexpensive, and uh, those agencies they still have to pay uh, San Francisco real estate rates uh, for commercial space. So it does make uh, it tougher. Um, I guess it's just I see it around here too. There's a lot of people that lean on, you know, something like a Nevada or an X, and it's like why don't you like, you know, just, you know, develop your own sort of framework like internally, and then you wouldn't have to lean on that so hard. I think a part of it too, it might be that it comes down to like you're saying, like billable hours, but it comes down to having the people on staff, I think is a big part of it too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it takes, it takes time to develop, a framework too. Like if you, I think on Alcatraz right now, I feel like, you know, we've been working on it for a year and it's mostly, I'm mostly the maintainer of it now, but we've got like 500 commits poured into it and it's taken us like probably hundreds of hours to get where we are with it. I mean, it's yeah. no joke. Like developing your own tool set is, is an investment. Yeah, that's in a, a non-trivial task. Yeah. Um, but like you said, it's probably worth it because then you know exactly the quality of your code and you, I mean, presumably because you developed the framework, you know how to work with it. And that means you can churn out billable work a lot faster. 
and you know either yeah. do more of it or charge a higher rate. So it's kind of a trade off. Yeah, I think. <laughs> yeah. You invest in all that time, development time in the in the front to you know make it up in productivity and efficiency and uh, not having bloated code. On, yeah. on in the end, which I think is like a worthy thing, and I totally applaud you. I, uh, you, and you know your colleagues, um, you know, for putting that work in. You know, not a lot of people can do that. So, uh, um, one other like framework I want to mention uh, as well is Roots. Io uh, does is anybody use that for a starter theme at all ever? No, it's yeah. one of those things I've heard about and, and <laughs> never done anything with. Yeah. I took yeah. a class on it in Orlando last year, but <laughs> never did anything with it. Did you learn anything? <laughs> well, yes, then you know more about it than I do. <laughs> I, I never did anything with it. Um, I, I kind of looked at it because um, the kind of business area that I'm in with WordPress, we, we deal with a lot of different stuff. And uh, it looked, it, the, the, I've got the guys Scandinavian in the um, that developed it. I think they, they developed possibly, it. yeah. Um, it looked pretty okay, but I didn't delve in it too deep. Well documented. It seemed to have some decent documentation. Yeah, it seems like there's like a whole system to it. Uh, there's there's like three different components to it. There's one that's like server level one that's uh, like application level. And then there's like a starter theme called Sage. Uh, it's just all part of this. And I've, I've actually seen themes that were built with Roots before. Uh, again, it's I just dig into these things. It's not that I built something with 80 different frameworks. but It sounds pretty deep that it's in three levels and it's gone that. But what I like to say, yeah. I only had a quick look at it. Um, I didn't realize they'd gone into that depth so i'll give it another yeah. quick look over but um i think what we uh, i don't know if we've done this but i, I think or we've made it because i know it's very difficult to explain people in a non-technical language i just i just think like what kerry says you know i just think you because i had one client a few weeks ago and they asked for some advice and they were looking at one of these swiss army knife solutions and i said I really think you'd be better off either looking at Genesis or looking at here's a, some other theme shops that are non-Genesis and looking at something more simple, more cleaner, focus the design. And then if you want us to change some elements for you, that would be better than going down one of these Swiss Army things. Because I said, I said you're totally reluctant, and if you hack away a lot, you just in the end you don't know where you stand because there's so many files with these yeah well it it's the tough thing because when people are like searching for they're like okay i'm gonna do it i i have a feeling that this is how it goes usually and this is my experience dealing with small businesses it's either they're um gonna do it themselves because they're gonna try and save money and so they Google, you know, WordPress themes. Themeforest comes up first. Uh, Genesis doesn't come up first. They don't pay a developer to even consult with them about what theme they should choose. And, and I know we've talked about this before too, but th there's a lot of value in just like sitting down with somebody who actually knows how to, you know, build a successful website 
just even pay them for an hour of time and have them point out the things that that you should start with if you're going to do it yourself and you don't have a budget to pay somebody to do the full thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, it's not, have, it's not that, you know, it's no different than if you're buying a car and you take it to your local mechanic to check it over, isn't it? It's exactly it. Real if, mo- if most people were willing to spend on websites what they spend on cars, I bet they would do that. Um, <laughs> I, it's really difficult. I mean, it, it really is. Like at the, at the higher end, like, you know, big companies, they expect to pay a lot. But I think, you know, in the middle and like down, it's it's really tough because I, I, I think it's it, it, the biggest thing is just not being a commodity. And, and, and I think it's a struggle. Um, Yeah, and I think there might be a little bit of kind of mental arrangement, right? uh, These kitchen sink themes that have, you know, uh, just everything in them. I'm pretty sure that that even at the, like, commodity end of buying knives for your kitchen, you know, you don't use your Swiss Army knife when you're preparing dinner. No. Right, you you, you use a, a knife that was designed for cooking, um, and that's the thing is I can see why certain people at the kind of implementer level go for the the kitchen sink theme because they're building stuff for clients and they the different clients may have different sorts of needs and then you can say okay well I'll use this slider and this thing and that thing, but most people who are building just a website for themselves they need it to do certain things. Yeah. You know, the same way you want a, a you know, a, 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 you know, a kitchen knife in your kitchen. Uh, and uh, so they're going to be much better off buying not a multi-purpose theme, but a single purpose theme. Yeah. And you're not going to pay more for a, for a pre-made single purpose theme. Like, you know, you guys bought a theme for podcasting, basically. Uh, uh, and so... It just makes more sense if they uh, if they think about it that way that you know they're they're you know that they're taking on all the overhead of something that tries to do everything at once when they don't need to do everything at once. I agree with that. Uh, definitely. Uh, well, anything else that you guys want to add? Uh, or are we just about to the end of this? Uh... I think we're getting close. To, I just got—it's outside uh, our, our um, topic subject, really. But I just w- wanted to ask the panel for some quick advice. I had, a, I had somebody come to me that um, asked me a question, and they say they got like half a dozen. They want an e-commerce website, but they've only got half a dozen products. And I, re- I was thinking about it. Really, do they really want to go down WordPress and WooCommerce for half a dozen products? If you got somebody approach you and they like one product or just six products, and there's no likelihood they're going to have a lot more, is there any kind of WordPress solutions that could cater for that? That doesn't mean you're going to have to go down the whole WooCommerce route. I would, well, you know what? I had somebody approach me the other day. Uh, uh, they called me up and it was a similar thing. They actually had more than six products, but it was, it was a different sort of thing. And I, I recommended them to Shopify. And the reason I did is yeah. because they were just launching. And yeah. I said, that's what uh, I did. I did exactly the yeah. same, actually. If you're just launching, I would say, let's determine 
that there's a market for this because I've had people do that before too. We go down the WooCommerce route and it's like we haven't even figured out the market. So I would say the first thing to do is, you know, get your market built up, determine that there's a market. If you have a market for this and you're making money and you're making sales on something like Shopify, then let's go ahead and do the WooCommerce thing. Um, you know, get on one of these, you know, platforms or whatever. Yeah, we but can they, they really weren't listening. Yeah. I said exactly the same as you, John, but I could tell they yeah. weren't listening because they said, oh, but WooCommerce is free and WordPress. And I said, no, it isn't. I said, then, I said, then you I probably said, don't said, want them anyway. I said, you're going to, no, it's not going to be free at uh, yes, all. Yes, the high, the high cost of free. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it is sort of like, and, you know, first of all, you know, our, is all you want the site for just to sell stuff because you know then you may want to you know try shopify or something like that if you've got a wordpress site and you have want to add like one product you can get a like paypal embed code and and mm-hmm. stick it on the on the on the product and see you know how oh, is anybody is anybody buying this um or it, you know there there are other ways to do that where you're you know, you're just selling one product. You don't need to put a whole e-commerce uh, system into uh, into place. You know, sometimes uh, you do pretty much only have a store, but you need it to do something you can't do on Shopify, or you need it to. You know, you've got some other good reason to, uh, you know, to 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 go with a, a, a you know a more customizable uh, e-commerce solution. But if you're starting out and yeah, you don't know that this thing is going to sell or who you're going to sell it to, or you're, you're just sort of testing the waters. I, I would not start with WooCommerce. I'd, I'd look at something like, you know, big commerce or, or Shopify yep. and yeah, be shopping. But at least see that, what happens. But hopefully um, in the near future, um, wordpress.com will have a, a really fantastic Hopefully. Well, it's it's interesting to to think about how they're you know how they're going to parlay that into something that works well with your typical WordPress dot com uh, customer because that is not the sort of of uh, product that WooCommerce is. No, I I think it's important. Like if you're going to take on somebody and build something for them, they have to have a revenue stream. And if it's like an untested product, and you go through the effort of building them a WooCommerce store and then they don't make any sales, whose fault is it? It's going to be yours. So that's yeah, why I say I, I blame I've, you for it. I've pointed people toward big commerce. I've pointed people toward Shopify. Those are good ways to start. And especially if you yourself don't have the confidence that it's going to sell. Yeah. Uh, I've always said, I, I did exactly what you did. I sent it to Shopify. I said for twenty nine ninety nine, you can choose one of their free, free themes or you can spend some money on a third party theme. And if it's, you know, you can get going, can't you? Yep. Then when, then once you get that established, then, you know, then like we can talk like later about building like a, a full blown site with all the bells and whistles that you're going to need. So Oh, right. I was just confirming that I was on the right page, John. You're on the right page. There we go. I think cool. We, so, I think we yeah. better wrap this up, John, don't we? Yeah. So let's let's do this. Um, I w- we'll go through. Everybody tell us where you can find yourself. And uh, we're going to do, I think we've got like one more show coming up. Uh, regular interview show 151 is going to be Josh Pollock um, of Caldera Forms, right? Yeah, that's right. And then, uh, then we're going to do a couple internal shows, and then we're going to see you again in the new year. 
So uh, just everybody give their holiday wishes as well. And I want to encourage the listeners, if you're getting value from this podcast, if you're watching us on YouTube or on the website, uh, be sure to go to iTunes. Give us a detailed review. We're trying to get to triple digits, and we need your help. We appreciate your listenership. It's going up every single month, and we couldn't do it without you. For that, we're eternally grateful. Uh, with that, we're going to go around and let everybody... Oh, just before, just yeah, before yeah. that, um, John, I just want to uh, thank um, all our guests... Um, our guests that come on the panel show, our regular panel, the, you um, you contributed so much to um, a, um, the growth of WP Tonic, and I just want to thank the panel yep. for them regularly coming on the show and contributing. And it's just been a well, I've really enjoyed the, our yep. panels. Haven't we? They've always been fun, and they? Just- oh, they've been awesome. Yeah, definitely. And I want to thank all the people who aren't here today. Yeah, let's do that. Um, since it is holidays this is the last panel show we'll have in 2016, but um, I want to thank the the different people who've been on the panel this year, which is uh, Morton Rand Hendrickson, David Lietta, Brian Lee Jackson, uh, Lee Jackson from the UK. Uh, anybody else I'm forgetting, John? Jackie. Jack- Jackie. Jackie D'Elia. Oh, I can't God. forget Jackie, can we? That was <laughs> terrible. Remember, yeah, right. She shoots, uh, John. Yeah, I know. And we've had some um, other, we've had some other guests, haven't we, on the panel show? And I can't remember the name straight off, but it's been fun, isn't it, John? Oh, most definitely. Yeah, we've Russell. had some. Russell was on a few times. Yes, Russell. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yep. 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 So, uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, let's wrap this up. Carrie, how can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Carrie Ford. C a r r i e f o r d e. Sweet, Kim. How can we find you? You can find me at tw- on Twitter at Kim Schivler. You can find me at howtobuildanonlinecourse.com. dot com. Sally, I wanted to give you a huge shout out for your idea of using Cloudflare. Cloudflare for your clients uh, secure. I'm going to go do that for somebody right after we're done. And I'm going to show you guys. Our giveaway at WordCamp US this year. Oh, I like it. Yeah, a little stuffed well, wapu. Where's the claw? Where's yeah, the claw? I don't want. <laughs> claw? Where's the claw? <laughs> no claw. Oh, my claw. My claws are in my other. They're in my other bag. Oh. We'll have to do them in the new year. Yeah, we look forward to that, Kim. <laughs> okay, happy holidays, guys. Happy holidays, Kim or uh, Sally. How can we find you? Uh, well, if I wanted to find myself, I might go to the top of a mountain or somewhere out in nature. Uh, but you can oh. find me on Twitter at uh, Sally Getch, uh, or um, my business site is WPFangirl.com. And uh, just search for my name and you will find me. Excellent. Jonathan, how can we find you? Oh, it's the best way is to email me at Jonathan at WP hyphen tonic.com and I, I do reply in the next day normally or on um either on facebook or twitter i'm going to get more proactive on facebook i keep saying that but i'm gonna do it <laughs> rather you than me someday someday <laughs> and you can find me i'm john Locke. you can find me at lockdowndesign.com you can also follow me on twitter lockdown underscore for wp tonic uh, be sure to join us, episode 151, Josh Pollock. And uh, we'll see you around. Bye. Adios. Bye.